0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I have I have a few things to share this afternoon. Uh, as you're turning there, I want to go back to. You've heard this taught. You heard it first taught by Scott Lopes, and it was one of those profound moments for me. The recognition that when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they began to give opinions, which is the typical reality even today. You, you ask that question, who, who is Jesus? Well, he's this, he's this. And we begin to give human perspectives and human answers. And then there was this moment when he asked Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And by Jesus' answer, if we will pay attention, we will. so many things will, will unfold in front of us. Again, the typical teaching is within some denominations that Jesus was addressing Peter, upon you I will build my church. To others, They refer to Jesus saying, well, it's going to be me upon whom I build my church and I just need you to come help me. But when we discover by Jesus' answer this key that he mentions later in the verse that will let us loose and bind those things in heaven, because what Jesus said in response to Peter's profound answer was, blessed, happy are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not... Reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He wasn't astounded by the answer that Jesus gave. He was astounded, I mean, that Peter gave. He was astounded where Peter got that answer. Why was he blessed? Because he received something by revelation. And Jesus is saying in that statement, Upon revelation I will build my church and the gates of hell. If I have revelation, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's that much power in revelation. You heard me share back in Bible study this morning, you've heard it said several times, there's only two steps to learning how to walk in fullness, learning how to walk in the Spirit, learning how to walk in this newness of life we have been talking about so much. Two steps, revelation and choice. There is no choice without revelation. Please get that down. Because until God reveals something and creates the choice, then we're confused. But when he tells us something clearly, shows us something, he shows us truth, he now creates and sets up this reality of choice. Again, Adam and Eve decided where they would walk based on the choice that they made. Walk in the garden with God, walk outside the garden. The children of Israel decided, where they would walk in the, in, in the promised land or continue in the wilderness because God said there's a land flowing with milk and honey. Revelation, you now have a choice. They chose, they continued in the wilderness. Shorty mentioned this other day when I was talking about this. There's a wise man built his house upon, the, upon a rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Why did one do what one did versus the other? It's choice. Choice, it's always choice. Choose this day whom you will serve. Joshua's words, choose this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choice. Always choice. This very first interaction between God and man. Choice. Significant and powerful. Choice. When we come to this truth in Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul is saying, he's praying for this church at Ephesus. and said, so, I pray in this high apostolic prayer, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation because if you do, and then he lists three things that they will know because they have a spirit of wisdom, because they have the spirit of revelation. Revelation was designed in the heart of God to be life-changing for us and in us. Revelation. Don't downplay it. Don't minimize it. John 3 Verse 27, just one verse. These last words of John the Baptist, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Believe that is an absolute? Do you think God opens the door and closes it behind that revelation? Yes. There is no exception. Now that throws some things in a tailspin. To move everything over into this category of truth under that that term, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing. Except it be given him from heaven. <coughs> He's addressing the Pharisees, very religious. And what would they say about what they knew? What would they say about the oracles of God in the scrolls that they held in their hands? What would they say? Who gave them to them? They would say, God, and, and his answer was man can receive nothing that God didn't give. You can hold this in your hands. You can you you can absolutely hold this whole word in your hand and know that it is God, but it will make no difference to you until it's revealed to you from heaven. That's an absolute. Why? Well, let's talk about it. Cuz the context here is that John is speaking of spiritual truth. We know this. It's a truth that can never be grasped by the intellect. Our intellect, very God-given, was given to us to capture ideas, to capture thoughts, to capture theories. What happens, though, when it's spiritual truth? What changes in spiritual truth? Everything changes because it's not something that entered my mind and gets filed as information. Spiritual truth comes to us as life, not as information. The disciples, when when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And then the disciples said, where would we go? Where would we possibly go? Because your words are life to us. Life in the words of of Jesus. Where could we go to get that? We can't go to the scholar. We can't go anywhere else because your words are life to us. So what is this basic difference? What's John the Baptist describing? Somebody can give you information. Somebody can, can add to your thoughts, can add to your intellect, can add to your information, grow a bigger file. Only... From heaven can, can something be given to you that will carry life with it, that will, that will explode in you, that grows in you, that forms in you, that not only came as information, but that information brought transformation, that information that, which you received, spiritual truth that, that John is describing here, was life changing that can only come to us from heaven. Spiritual truth consists not in ideas. Spiritual truth consists in life. It's not hard to know the difference if you've ever experienced the difference. If you've never experienced it, you probably won't know what what John is talking about. Divine truth always has a spiritual nature to it. And for that reason, it can only be received by revelation. It has to have an origin in God, think about this again. This, this what we said this morning. This reciprocal nature of God—that He's never going to expect something from you that He doesn't first give to you. How would He expect life from me if He hadn't first, by revelation, given life to me? Think about this for just a second. How is He going to expect something dynamic from me if He only gave me information? Now, if I believe he gave me information, as a teacher, what am I going to produce back to you? Information. We have pulpits being filled, Sunday school classes being filled with people who are, who, are, who are spouting great amounts and volumes of information. And people are impressed by the magnitude of the information that somebody might have. I was overhearing one of those conversations in a coffee shop just a few days ago, and they were talking about about where the original place of Greece really was. Where was that nation? Where were the real boundaries of it? And they had their Bibles open, and they were in this a serious conversation trying to establish where what was being talked about really was. And it's like I'm, I'm, I wanted to turn around and said, can you please explain to me, if you ever get this right, what difference does it make? They were in pursuit, heavy pursuit of information. Thinking themselves to be thinking deep thoughts, processing deep things, trying to found these original boundaries of a nation. Like, I'm real curious what that's going to show you once you figure this out. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't really think that I am. I want you to go with me to Isaiah I haven't got any of these down, uh, but go with me to Isaiah 55. I'll begin reading in verse 8. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when he's expressing something to us from himself to us as revelation, he's he gave us a good definition here when he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your thoughts, and my thoughts higher and my ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He's saying, when I speak to you by revelation, I'm going to give you something on a higher level that your intelligence can't figure out. That's how when I I just, again, I get blown away. Y'all are going to get sick of this, but I just, I keep talking about it. I'm still blown away that after all these years of teaching grace, what grace is, God's unmerited favor, that I am 50, I'm 64 years old, been preaching this, the biggest part of my life, this is what grace is. And a few weeks ago for God to say, got something else to say about that. You keep talking about grace as God's unmerited favor, which says, yeah, he saw me in the dirty, he saw me in the filthy, he saw me in the sin, he loved me anyway, and because while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, that's because of the grace of God, he brought me to this place of salvation. That's grace. God said that is grace, sure is but I didn't bring you to the place of salvation for that to be the accomplishment. The the work of grace is now that you are free, the grace of God is I'm going to give you an empowering presence you didn't deserve either, but I'm going to give you an empowering presence so that you can discover about yourself that which I already know. That's the grace of God, an empowering presence that we can discover who God says I already am. It wasn't grace just to get me out out of the wrong and into this freedom. It's moving me from the freedom into the fullness of who God says I already am. Now, that was revelation to me. That was real excitement when God brought that, and it's like, wow, that's life-changing for me. That's real revelation. If intelligence could have discovered that, I would have already read it. I've read book after book after book on grace. Never discovered that. But revelation came. A higher thought. Perspective that I'd never had before. And now, man, you can't stop me from talking about this discovered grace so that people will realize, yeah, he set me free and I'm saved, but he saved me so that I could walk in the fullness of who God says I already am. I'm not becoming something. I already am something. And I'm discovering all of that each day. Man by reason only, can only know about God. We've heard that many times. My intelligence will let me know about God. But the deeper mysteries of God remain hidden to those who intellectually approach him. Let's go to, I love this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I think any pastor who would spend some time here would realize they could, they could preach from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 every, every Sunday of the year. I don't think we would ever preach to the exhaustive reality of what's in this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him that love him. Well, what's it saying? I cannot intellectually know, I can't hear. And I can't read, I can't see those things which God has prepared for me. There's an acknowledgment here that I'm limited in what I can gain by myself. What I can can see and hear and actually gain. But in verse 10, we have this powerful conjunction again, this word but, which says I'm fixing to say something that is a bit contrary to that which I just said before it. But God has revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We may know them. We may be certain of them. They're coming to us by revelation. They come to us by by a living voice from the Spirit of God. And I can recognize the difference between good information and powerful revelation. Because revelation will change my life. And it won't stop. It will not stop. When when the spirit illuminates, and it does illuminate, when it illuminates the heart, a person who has never seen before may see what has always been within sight. It's always been there. I didn't discover anything about grace that God hadn't already put there. Revelation said, I'm going to uncover something for you that's always been there so that you can see what's always been. Revelation is the recognition that God is going to uncover things for us in the time and the seasons of our life. So I get to see something which my natural eye could not see, but was there all the time. That kind of spiritual illumination knows uh, in a deeper, as it says here, a deeper way in an authoritative, authoritative way, because this is unusual. Unusual. Y'all, y'all know this, but I, I'm just going to mention it quickly. That if, uh, if I've learned something in a book and somebody questions me about it, I'm going to say things like, well, I think this is what the book meant. I think I read it correctly. I think I understood what they were talking about. that's going to change pretty dynamically if it moves from something you read to an encounter that you had. Because you may say I didn't, I, that didn't happen to me and I'm going to stand in absolute defiance and say you can contradict me all day long but you're not going to convince me that I wasn't on the road to Damascus, that I wasn't blinded, that I didn't have an encounter with Jesus, that Jesus didn't say, that Ananias didn't come after three days and I received my sight again. You can tell me what you want to tell me but you're never going to erase that which God has actually done. Revelation is what God does we will stand with an unusual authority when, I, when God reveals to me that all sin is forgiven and somebody's ready to be converted, I can tell them, not with a maybe, not with an if, I can tell with authority, not because I read it somewhere, but because God revealed it, your sins are forgiven. Not maybe, not if you ask, God will forgive your sins. I can announce out of, out of revelation, your sins are forgiven. I can announce that you are righteous, before God, and you can't lose that righteousness. You can't change it. You can't, you can't strangle it. You can't hide it. When, you, when the righteousness of God becomes the, not the something you've learned about, a lesson that you learned, but the reality by revelation that I am righteous before the Father, that's a finished work. I'm learning to walk righteous, but I'm righteous. It's finished. See, that's revelation, and I can speak from authority from it. Not with anger, not with vengeance. I don't have to stand on the street corner and make a point. My life every day will be the reflection of the fact that I'm walking in the certainty of that which God has revealed. I will have an authority about me. Not bold, not brash, born in love, born in kindness, born in truth, born in sincerity, born in humility. But I will be my life, our lives, your lives, my life will become a reflection of the revelations not the information. Information won't change you. It might make you arrogant because somebody knows that you know a lot. This is a bit, uh, I want to give you a short list of how we know it's revelation versus information. Revelation will need no reasonable proof. Revelation will need no reasonable proof. Revelation exists above reason. This is one of those reasons why I tell you that when when God gives us truth, when he gives us revelation, we're supposed to receive it because it will immediately bring freedom. When When I take truth into my soul and I begin to process it, I will consider it against other people's opinions, my own history, my own perspective, and I will lose the power of revelation if I take it into my soul and try to process it and think it through. Because truth, revelation, exists in a boundary above reason. When I take that above reason and try to make it reasonable, I will lose it. That makes sense? Something of the Spirit, revelation, trying to now be brought into my reasonable human mind, I will lose the dynamic of the revelation, I'm trying to make it make sense. So revelation exists in a plane above reasoning. It's immediate. Revelation doesn't have to be processed into. It's immediate. It's perfectly convincing by the very nature of of what was received. It's like we get that wow because it's like it was immediately recognized that it was perfectly convincing within the context of the revelation. When I I saw that, when, when God revealed this about grace, it didn't take anything. It didn't require any other proof. It was perfectly convincing because it's like, wow, I should have known that. I should have known that grace was beyond but brought us to salvation, that it's the empowering presence of God to take us into the fullness of who he says that we already are. And it's inwardly satisfying. Revelation will always be inwardly satisfying. It's like, oh, thank you, Father. That answered so many things. That brought me so much further. That made something so clear. Revelation. Now, information won't do that. Revelation becomes very inwardly satisfying. Remember, John said, a man can receive nothing. What I'm sharing with you all tonight came uh, somewhat from a book by A.W. Tozer, and I wrote the name of the book down, and I can't remember the name of it, but he, there was a quote in there that I wrote down. It says, whatever men think of reason, God takes a real low view of it. God has a really low view of human capacity to reason. Not, it was still a gift of God. The human mind was still a gift of God. I'm not, not going to demean it. But, but to understand him, he's saying, you're not going to get it by the reasoning mind I gave you because I gave you the connection between a reasoning mind and a, and, a, and a valuable heart and between those two I can give you revelation so that you can bring it in and make it intelligent but it will create life in the very heart of who you are. He said, I'm not, I'm not downplaying it. It you takes your mind to take in the revelation but it doesn't stop there. It affects your heart. There's nothing wrong with the reasoning mind. It's just unfit for the task of understanding the Father. Makes Make sense? It wasn't given to us for the task of understanding Him. Got a great purpose. That mind was not given as an organ by which we know Him. So, this has really led us to many who are Bible taught, but very few who are Spirit taught. Gary, you asked me a question a while ago about where to read. Uh, I stumble in that question very often because my most, most of the time my answer is put your Bible down and let the Spirit tell you. <coughs> I'm not going to say that he won't answer that, some of those questions very often through the reading the Bible. But even when you're reading the Bible, you have to stop and say, Father, I don't want to see anything here that the Spirit wouldn't show me. Because the answer that, that all of us are looking for, and you're, you're not unique in this, is that they have to be spirit-given. They're not going to make a tremendous difference. But sometimes, uh, this, this may sound just too extreme, but I have, I have encouraged people who are in these moments of question, any kind of question, lay your Bible down. Learn to listen to the voice of God. And when you can hear that voice, you can pick up that Bible, and it'll never be the same but you need to be able to be alone so that the voice of God can speak to you and then the Bible will explode in truth, in Revelation. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 14, 15, and 16 that he was going away. But he said, I will send you the spirit of truth. He will lead you into all truth. There's an inward beauty in a in a life that we hold in divine truth, which can only really be known when it's digested into life and becomes practiced each day simply in the way that we live. We will begin to understand. These are it's a real it's gonna be a real poor choice of words, and I'll admit it right now. We will we will begin to realize that we're, we've arrived, or in some measure matured. When these things that we're talking about revelation become evident in every small detail of our life, when I'm here or when I'm here, when I'm doing this or where I'm doing this, that I'm not thinking about the revelations, I'm not having to think about, oh, well, this is what God said about this, this is what God said about this, where I'm actually drawing in and actually applying these things But I will know that something is transformed in me when they don't become things I know that I begin to use as as tools, but they become internal expressions of of the very truth that they are, so that each day I'm living them, not just trying to exercise them. So that instead of down there trying to build muscle on weight machines so that I'm growing into something, when I come to something heavy, the muscle is already there for the lifting it's a normal part of how I live my life because that which I invested in earlier has turned into every day. Maybe a poor illustration, but the best one I could grab quickly. So that becomes second nature. Yeah, it becomes, yeah, great word. Second nature, first nature, whichever nature it is. So. Yeah. Comments about this. Comments about Revelation and the power of it and what it actually should do. That list to me that I shared with you to me is one of those things, it was A.W. Tozer's list, and, and I won't take credit for it. Needs no reason proof, it's above reason, it's immediate, it's perfectly convincing, it's inwardly satisfying. I read, I read something, this, this newness of life that Graham Cook had taught about at the conference. Man, that I'm sitting there that first night, I'm right on the edge of my, of my seat, I don't know anything else that's going on because I'm so captured in the truth that's being revealed because it's not hitting me as information. It's hitting me as Revelation. And man, it's soaking in. It's getting, it's going in real deep. And I'm, I'm sitting there in this conflict of I want to take notes. I want to take notes, but I don't want to look down. I don't want to get behind. I don't want to miss anything that he says. So no note taken. No, I mean, it's just like, nope, captured in the moment. Revelation captured. I'm glad they were recorded so I could go back and listen again because I know there were things that I wish I could have captured. But, but Revelation was coming so fast. That testimony when he, when I think I shared with you, when he said he, had, he, had, he didn't remember the last time he had worried. Man, 20 years. He said, it's been at least 20 years since I worried last. Whoa, man. 20 years since I worried last. He, he shared in a testimony I heard a long time ago that he had, uh, He said, and he's still this way. He's never taken a salary. He's never had a predictable income. Every dollar that he takes, he takes by faith. In an organization that's big and around him, he doesn't take a salary. But he said several years ago that the father told him he would give away millions of dollars. And he said it didn't bother him, didn't bewilder him, because he knew, knew the Father had said it. And remember the reciprocal nature? I'm not going to expect anything from you that I don't first give to you. So why would it be alarming for God to ask me to give away millions of dollars? Because what's he got to do first? got to give me millions of dollars. And he, he shared in his testimony, he said, I think now, he said, I think through, through me there's, I've given away, you know, five or six million dollars. He said, there's no glory in that. It's just a fulfillment of the fact that God gave me, could entrust me because he knew I would be faithful with what he gave me so that he could expect it from me. That was the exchange. Yeah, What a life. What peace comes from the fact that God will never expect something from me, truth, revelation that he gives to me so that he can extract from it and never reduce me by a moment because he'll never expect anything from you that originates in you. We need to settle that right now. He will never expect something from you that originates in you. He will only expect something from you that he first placed in you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.